Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Amen. If you haven't done so, why don't you get out of your seat, get out of your row, as a matter of fact. Say hi to two or three people that you did not come with and tell them, so excited to see you in the house of God. It's a good night tonight. Amen. Who cares that the Dolphins didn't win? (laughs) We belong to a team that never loses. And we also got the heat starting today, so... (laughs) Amen. How many of you love worshiping God? Start your day off with worship every single day. And I give you a week and your life is going to change in a week. Not because I said it, because worship changes. Worship transforms situations. Worship changes perspectives. You could be focused on a problem, but you just start worshiping and you become focused on God. And God shows you how small your problem is. The reason why we're so anxious, the reason why we are so faithless, the reason why we are filled with unbelief and and we stress so much, it's a lack of worship problem. But when we start worshiping in spirit and of truth, Jesus starts taking over our lives, amen, and things start changing. Where are my worshipers here in this place? All right, all right. I titled today's message, Desperately Patient. Desperately Patient. And I want you to go to the book of Mark chapter 10, and then we're going to read the same story in the book of Matthew, chapter 20. So let's start in Mark, chapter 10, and we're going to read off verse 35 all the way through 38. And the Bible says like this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand, And the other on your left in your glory. They're talking about in heaven. When we get to heaven, Jesus, just between you and me. I know the other apostles are cool. But just, we want to be one on your left and one on your right. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now go to Matthew chapter 20, which is a similar account of the same thing that's going on here. But it lets us into a different detail here. It says, then the mother, I'm in verse 20, Matthew 20, 20. Then the mother, who was the one who asked in Mark? It was James and John. It was the two disciples. But now we see the mom getting involved. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from Jesus. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit One on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. I don't know which came first. I don't know if it was the same scene. It's just that one person saw it one way and another of the apostles saw it a different way. But maybe it was a different instance. And maybe they tried to get Jesus to do something for them. And then since Jesus didn't give them a clear answer, they asked the mom to do it. And she got the same response. But look what's going on here. I want you to pay attention because this is the case of two young pastors. Two young apostles, right? Two young ministers. They're asking Jesus for something. How many of you guys have things that you're asking Jesus for? 
Come on, let's be honest. All right? The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. There's nothing wrong. So these guys are asking Jesus for something specific. They want to each sit on one side of the table and the other one on the other when they get to heaven. And then somehow, as you guys just saw, the mom gets into the equation. Now, how many of you guys are interested in being true disciples of Jesus and of his teachings? Followers of everything that Jesus commanded us to do, right? That's why we're even here in church. Otherwise, we wouldn't be wasting our time. We want to be more like Jesus. Well, there's a small problem here with their request. And maybe you could identify, maybe what we're going to speak about today is going to help you. You see, they were trying to get something from Jesus based on their mother's teaching. And I'll explain to you. We want to be disciples of Jesus Christ, but throughout all our life, we've been influenced by so many teachings. We've been influenced by our parents' teachings. We've been influenced by our teachers. We've been influenced by society's teaching, by organization where you work, perhaps. We've been influenced by so many different teachings that we come to Jesus sometimes with so many precepts that are contrary to God's work. And because we don't know God's word that well, we come to church thinking that the way we think and the way we were taught by circumstances or by people or by all these things that we just mentioned is the right way. And then all of a sudden we come to church and we start reading the Bible and we start seeing that some of the things that we've been taught or that we've learned from other people or from circumstances or from whatever are totally contrary to what God says. So what we must do now is debunk and readjust everything to coincide with God's word. If I've been living my way for 20 years and I come to Jesus now and all of a sudden Jesus now tells me, look, the way you're doing it is wrong. If you want to see blessing over your life, if you want to see my glory, you got to do it this way. You can't keep a grudge. You got to be able to forgive no matter how deep was the hurt that that person caused you. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stay with your way of thinking or are you going to stay with Jesus' way of thinking? And sometimes it's not so easy as to say, oh, I picked this one. Because sometimes there's feelings involved. Sometimes there's a lot of pain in your heart. There's grudging. Sometimes what doesn't coincide with God is something that's, that hits you really hard. For example, one of the things that really people have an issue with is the concept of tithing. Because you've been taught, keep your money, save your money, your money is your money. And all of a sudden, God says, no. That's wrong. 10% is mine. Honor me and you shall see that you'll do better with 90%. And then you have a decision to make. You see, there's, there's a teaching that you've been taught or that you've assumed all your life. And now you come to the Lord and you read in Malachi that it says tithe unto me because the tithe doesn't even belong to you. And then you have to come to that realization to say, well, I've been staying with God's money. So what do I do now? What do I do now from this point on? And so many other things. Well, this is something like what's going on in this passage. This is what's going on with these two people. They come to Jesus asking for something specific. But now Jesus is telling them something else. Look what verse 22 says. But Jesus answered and he said, you do not know what you ask. And he asked them a question. He asked them a couple of questions actually. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, what? We are able. Now, this is a classic case of action versus position. They came asking Jesus for what? What did they want? They want a position. 
They wanted a position. I want to be at the left. And my brother, please, Lord, I want him to be at the right. They came here with a teaching that what I want is a position in the kingdom. John, Jacob, and their mom were focused on the kind of system that teaches and instills in us the need to seek a position. A lot of time has passed since this, but sometimes we come to church with the same thing. We want a position from God. But Jesus comes back at them, and I want you to watch this. Watch this closely. He comes back at them with a system based on actions. And he says, can you guys drink my cup? Can you guys participate of my sufferings? Because it's very easy to sit beside me, but are you willing to walk the same road that I'm walking? Are you willing to pay the price of discipleship to give your life for the good of other people, to witness and to die even for the people that you came for and that now are turning their backs on you? Are you, are you willing to drink from the same cup? Can you guys be baptized from the same baptism? You see what Jesus is countering with? He's saying, look, you guys come here and you just want a position. But my kingdom is based on actions. Come on, tell the person next to you, God's kingdom has to do with actions. It has to do with what God's called us to do and be diligent with the things of the kingdom. He's telling them to get the position, you need to imitate my actions. Endure the persecution I endure. And there are people who are waiting to have a position, but then there are others that are looking to carry out an action. As we go on tonight, I want you to ask yourself, which team are you in? Are you in the team that are looking to Jesus for a position to be recognized? And God does give positions to people. But the Bible says that the way God positions people in the kingdom is the more you serve, the more you humble yourself, the more you allow Jesus to become king in your life, those are the people that God promotes and those are the people that God positions. Amen? Put your arm around a person and tell them God's going to position you to be a key person in his kingdom. But it comes through service. We don't want to pay the price. We want the position without the price. Jesus tells them, stop looking for a position. I'm paraphrasing, right? This is indeed what he's insinuating. Stop looking for a position. Instead, why don't you do something? Why don't you imitate me? And by imitating me, through your actions, you'll get the position. In Matthew 20, 23, he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. Because remember, what did they say? Yes, we will, right? When Jesus asked them, will you drink my cup? Will you participate of the same baptism that I'm going to be baptized in? They said, yes, we will. So they were willing. And he said, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my father. So he was saying, look, you, you could do all the things. You could even participate, but I'm not the one who does that. The father's the one who decides that. There's a day of promotion for your life if you are a person of action, if you're a person that comes to church, but understand that there's a calling of God. And after everything God's done for your life, God wants you to share that with the world, that suffering. God wants you to give what you have so graciously received. I want to tell you tonight that there are things that we want and that we will not receive until the Father sees fit. 
there's certain things that God can do right away. For example, if you come and you want salvation, all you have to do is repent and say, God, I turn my life over to you. Forgive my sins. And if you're genuine with your heart, all it takes is a prayer. And the Bible says you are born again. Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. From now on, you're not alone. And if anything should happen to you and you die, you go to heaven. Salvation. It's instant. But there's certain things sometimes that we ask God for. And we think that God is like a microwave that you just punch in numbers. And you tell him how fast you want it. And that's how fast you're going to get it. But there's certain things that we ask God, but that we will not receive until the Father sees fit. So tell the person next to you, be patient. <laughs> there's certain things that you're not going to get from other people. You're not going to get it from a boss, from one of your contacts, no matter how many contacts you have. You can work hard. You can do all the right things. But in the end, it is God who determines when. Therefore, our anxiousness for wanting to make something happen is pointless. You have to make it happen. You have to make it. And you stress yourself out and you become so anxious for certain things. You know, I was thinking the other day with respect to this topic of anxiety. I came to the realization that I got every single thing that I never worried about getting. All the things that you never worried about getting, you received. And I hardly got anything that I ever worried about. Think about that. How many things have you worried about? And because you worried, you got it. Worry doesn't help you get to anything any quicker. Worry can help you grow an inch, like the Bible says. I am a testimony of that. I was always, until I was 15, I grew like six inches in one year. I'm 5'11 now. But I remember in middle school and elementary they used to call me toothpick because I was the skinniest one and the smallest one I'm like Lord please you know my dad was pretty tall my dad's five nine and I'm like Lord you know and I worried and I wanted to be tall I wanted to be tall and quick and trust me worrying about how short I was did not make me grow <laughs> worry and anxiety will not help you find your husband or your wife any quicker but faith Come on now, people. I think I'm talking to faith-filled people. I think I'm in a Christian church, right? But faith. Now, you see, that can get you, and that can take you far. How many say amen? Faith is a whole different thing. So instead of looking for a position, instead, let's focus on what, people? Action. Tell the person closest to you, you need to be a person of action. Person of action for the kingdom. You may be in a situation that you want to change, but that shouldn't stop you from being an effective person for the kingdom of God. You know, <laughs> there's seasons for everything. And sometimes we're going to have afflictions or we're going to have situations. But if you let those things keep you from doing what God called you to do, you will be motionless for all your life. Because God gave us something that's called faith. And when we have faith, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious because we just believe. And if it's true faith, true faith says it's coming. So all worry, all anxiety, cast to the side. Because you can't have worry and faith at the same time. When you have faith, it's going to happen. That gives you strength to go on and keep serving God. Keep witnessing to people. Keep being a light unto this world. Keep leading your HOB. All the while, you're still waiting 
but with faith, knowing that God is going to do it. Yes. <laughs> Look what 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says. Turn with me really quick. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Highlight it. Mark it. This will help you. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. How many really believe that God cares for you? Well, he's saying here, look, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now, if you have faith that his word is true, whatever care you're going through right now, whatever anxiety you have, just humble yourself. Everybody raise their right hand like this and put your head underneath, your hair, your bald head, whatever you have. That's how we should be under God's mighty hand. Now, a lot of people don't like to humble themselves, right? It's not easy humbling ourselves. We like to be in control. And we want to be able to push the buttons and say, five seconds, God, give me the miracle, and I'm out of the situation. If that would be the case, then nobody would ever have a problem. But problems are good. They help you grow. Battles help you become a victor. You can become victorious if you've never won a battle. When you have a title of a victor or of a victorious person, it's because you went into battle and you overcame the battle. A lot of people are praying to God, God, I don't want battles. I don't want battles. Well, you're more than a conqueror. But to be a conqueror, yeah, you have to overcome somebody to become a conqueror of whatever it is that you're conquering. But the way to do it is humbling yourself. Even though humbling yourself is hard, being under his mighty hand is awesome. So it's worth it. Some people, oh, I can't humble myself after what this person did to me. Humble yourself. Let God deal with it. Let God deal with it. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. And then God, in due time, will exalt you. We struggle to humble ourselves, but with humility also comes protection and security. When you're under God's hand, because you've humbled yourself, comes security. You're secured in God's hand. You're not distant from God's mercy. He might not pull you out of that situation that day, but he has everything under control. He's in there with you. He's in the situation with you. You understand? Everybody say, cast your care upon him. When you do that, it's security. I'm secured. I'm secured. What are you worrying about? What's got you anxious nowadays? What you got to do is make sure you under God's hand, that you're humble. How do you humble yourself? When you go to the word and you try to do everything God's way and you trust his word. Sometimes we try to trust what our eyes see. And we're people that are prone to follow what we think. And when we want to be in control of everything. But when you're under God's mighty hand, it requires giving of yourself. Humbling of yourself. How many of you guys have ever spoken to a person that's full of anxieties and worries? You know, there's worry words, aren't there? Anybody have one in their family? Oh, my gosh. That they're worried about everything. Oh, my gosh. The neighbor's cat and, and this and that and, and every little thing, every day there's an excuse. It's like if one day there's not something to worry about, they feel uneasy. They try to find something. And if you try to find something, you'll find it. It's those worries that try to pull you from underneath God's hands. You see? We're secure in God's hands. I'm trust. 
But then comes challenges and stuff like that, and they try to pull you out. And when you pull yourself out and don't humble yourself and give way to worry and anxiety, and I found this definition of anxiety. It's the mental state that is characterized by extreme uneasiness, intense excitement at times, and extreme insecurity. And those are the things that God gives us when we humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, what do we have? We have security. We're not uneasy. We're confident. God is in control. This is how you can separate the people that pray from the people that don't pray. Because they go through stuff. And you know, because as a pastor, sometimes, you know, people confide in you and they come and tell you, help me pray because I'm going through this. And then you would never, ever think that they're going through that because they come to church and they praise like there's nothing going on in their lives. And you tell them to serve and they serve with a grateful heart, with a smile. They help people that are going through less dire situations than they are. And they do it lovingly. And you can tell that that's because that person is under God's mighty hand. They feel they're protected and they feel it's just a matter of time before God sets them free of their affliction. How many say amen? Anxiety can take a huge toll on you. It's even proven that it can make you sick. It could lead to serious, serious physical ailments and impairments in your body. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Folly is like foolishness. And this reminds me of King Saul. How many of you guys remember the, the story of King Saul? King Saul was given instructions to kill all of Amalek, all of these people that disliked God, that they were against God's people. He had instructions to do specific things. In another instance, he wasn't supposed to give an offering or a sacrifice unto God until the prophet got there. He, he was supposed to do his part and wait for prophet Samuel to come. And once prophet Samuel, the prophet was the one who was supposed to lift that offering to God. But he started getting uneasy. And he started to get anxious, impatient. And he didn't wait for Samuel like he was instructed to do. And his anxiety and his folly, his foolishness, cost him and his descendants the throne. Because of that, God said, look, I found somebody better that will listen to me. That will do what I've asked them to do. And you have been cut off. Sad. It was really sad. So how can you overcome anxiety? How can you overcome uneasiness? How can you overcome worry? Well, Psalms chapter 119, verse 25, we get a little bit of insight into the life of a man that we all know well in church, King David, a guy after God's own heart. And he said this one, Psalms 119, 25, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to what? According to your word. When David writes this, he's feeling really low. He has a major life-threatening problem. Raise your hand if you're having a life-threatening problem. Okay, some of you guys have. Life-threatening. They were after his life. Saul wanted to kill this man. I think that there's no bigger worry than somebody. I mean, you could be worried that you lose money in an investment. You could be worried that something bad happens from business you're trying to put or from a relationship that, you know, it's starting to not go so well, but... To know that somebody's after your life to kill you, that's pretty worrisome. 
And he's saying, my soul clings to the dust. It's like I'm way down there. And then he's asking. He's going to God because he knows that God has a solution. And he says, revive me according to your word. Tell the person next to you, God's word. It's what makes all the difference. There's one thing about God's word, and then it's that his word is firm. His word never changes. When God says something, he doesn't change his mind and say, oh, you know what? That wasn't for this generation. If God says he's going to sustain you, if God says that if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will keep you secure and he will keep you protected, he will do that. And David knew this. So even though David is feeling really low, my soul clings to the dust. I'm feeling way down there. I'm in the floor. Estoy por el piso, like we say sometimes. He also knows the solution. Revive me, Lord, according to your word. And then in verse 26, the next verse, he says, I have declared my ways and you answered me. Come on, touch somebody close to you and tell them God's answer is available for you today. Tell them you're not leaving tonight until you get God's answer. And look what he says. He's open. He's open. He says, teach me your statutes. Teach me. Make me understand the way of your precepts. You see, I was giving you that example that sometimes we come to church with all these precepts that we get from our family, from our parents, from people that don't fear God, from our teachings, from the books that we read, from experiences that we went through. But when we come to the truth, you got to throw away all those wrong precepts and grab a hold of God's precepts because those are the ones that are going to work for you. And David understood this. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Again, he goes to explaining unto God. And there's nothing wrong with that. God wants you to go to God when you have a heavy heart. Instead of going to your best friend, first go to God. You know, your friend can help you, but God can help you more. So make your first option, God. And he's telling him, look, God, here's my soul. I'm melting with heaviness. I can't take this. They're out to get, kill my life. You've anointed me to be king, but this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I had envisioned when, you know, your little prophet came and put the oil in my head. And I felt favored among all my brothers. This is not what I had envisioned. What's going on here? My soul melts from heaviness. But then he says, strengthen me, once again, according to what? To your word. Come on, tell the person next to you, the word is what strengthens you. If you feel uneasy, if you feel anxiety way too often, maybe it's because you're not reading the word as much as you should. Or believing it and grabbing a hold of it, right? And humbling yourself under God's mighty hand. So what's the cure for anxiety? It's what he said, revive your soul with your word. Lord, I need, I need you to revive my soul. And maybe there's people here right now going through difficult situations and you're waiting on God for him to do something. And you're like, when, God, when are you going to do it? When am I going to sit to your left and my brother to the right? Or when are you going to save my family member? When are you going to do this? When am I going to finally be able to achieve this dream that I had? When am I going to finally meet the person of my dreams? When am I going to? And you fill in the blank. Revive your soul with his word. Hear it. Tell the person next to you, hear it. Tell them, learn it. Memorize it. Teach it. Understand it. Meditate on it. The word has to be inside of you every single which way. 
The Bible says you shall listen to it, you shall have it, you shall speak it on your way in, on your way out, in the field, at work, when you're at home, in the morning, in the afternoon, teach it to your kids, put it walls of your home. The word of God is what sustains us. And it's good to have the word of God in your house, in your heart. Look, Luca, he's four years old and he's going to a Christian school. He's only four years old, but this week, they made him memorize his first verse. So it was our job. Well, they gave him as an assignment. We had to teach him at home. They gave us the verse on Tuesday, and he needed to know it by Friday. Wednesday, he already knew it. And I was driving Luke on Tuesday, because Tuesdays I'm off. It's my off day. I was driving Luke to school early in the morning. I was, while I was driving, I was telling Luke, look, this is part one. And I was telling him the first part of the verse. Ask for God. And this is part two. His way is perfect. And then ask for God. His way is perfect. Ask for God. His way is perfect. Got it in five minutes. From one light to the other, he got it. And then I go, okay, now you got to know where it is. Psalms 1830. So he's like, he'll recite it. And if he would have been here, he would have recited it. Ask for God. His way is perfect. Psalms 1830. And we need to get into the habit of knowing the word. By memory, you need to recite it. You need to declare it over your life, over your family sometimes. If you don't know the word, stuff is going to happen to you, and you're not going to have the antidote to what's going on in your life. You need to always know that the word of God is what sustains you. Hear it, learn it, memorize it, understand it, meditate on it. How many say amen? amen. I pray that if there's people here that have bad habit of not reading the Bible, that you would change today because it's going to make a world of a difference. You're not reading a novel. You're not reading any book. It's the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God will never pass. Everything you see here, the earth one day will not be. There will be no oceans. There will be no sky. There will, the Bible says, but His Word will remain. Amen? And we're going to be judged according to God's Word. So you got to know it. Amen? Psalms 41 and 2. I'm finishing up. Just got about four more pages. That's it. Don't worry, font size 50. Yeah. <laughs> Psalms 41 and 2, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Tell the person next to you, we got to have patience. We need to be desperately patient. <laughs> it sounds like a, an oxymoron. It sounds like a, that it's impossible to do. To be desperately patient. But David here is saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the murray clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. God had to establish his steps because it was his steps to begin with. That led him astray. And sometimes when we don't consider God, we do stupid things. And when we're like totally disconnected from God's purpose, we can go and we can start, you know, walking and then you fall into a pit. He's telling God, get me out of this horrible pit. But it also says that he waited patiently. It didn't happen from one day to another. There may be people here that in one sense or another, you feel like you're in a pit. It's a horrible Situation, you feel enclosed. What else do you feel when you're in a pit? You feel that all the good things that are going on are on top of you and you're not participating of it. 
You're here. You're stuck. You, there's nowhere to go. There's no provision. You have no food. You're in a pit. It's bad. But your steps led you astray. But the Bible says that when you wait patiently on the Lord, when you trust in God, when you humble yourself under his mighty hand, the Bible says that he brings you out of the horrible pit and sets your feet upon a rock so you won't fall again and establish your steps. See, now God sets his feet on a rock so he won't fall in the pit again. It says that he was waiting patiently on the Lord while in the pit of despair. I'm not going to ask you guys to raise your hand. Maybe some of you feel that you're in right now in the pit of despair. Maybe you won't need this message until a couple of months from now or years from now. But we all fall in pits, so to speak, in situations that we want to move, but we need somebody's help because we can't get out of the pit by ourselves. And what do we do when we're in that pit? Well, make sure you save this message so you can upload it when the time comes. It's a little ironic. Patient while in a pit of despair. I'm desperate because when you're in a pit, you're desperate to get out. But at the same time, he was patient. And that's why I called this desperately patient. I tried to think of a situation that I was in recently that had to do with this. And the first thing that came to mind is pediatrician. When we take Luca to the pediatrician. How many fathers, mothers are there here? A few? Okay. You know that you never want your child to have a fever or to feel bad. Nobody wants that, obviously. And when they start feeling bad, the first thing you do, you know, you get worried and you call the pediatrician and you want the doctor to see you. And, and then you get into the pediatrician's office and you see that it's packed full of kids and they're all crying. And then you have other mothers telling you what they think that your son has. And you're there waiting and you're like, when are they going to? And you start counting all the people that are ahead of you. Okay, this one was here when I got here, right? So I have to wait there in front of me. And, and then all of a sudden, when you've been waiting half an hour, the assistant comes out and says, you know what? The doctor had an emergency. He hasn't gotten here yet. Oh, desperately patient. <laughs> Is this life or death situation? No, just a little fever. Okay, let's go home. <laughs> Because we don't like to wait. How many of you have ever visited that pit that David was talking about in your life? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. How many of you guys at one point in your life ever felt in that pit? It happens. Some of you are going through a trying ordeal right now. And my message to you, God's message to you is have faith. The Lord will pull you out of that pit you're in. I said the Lord will pull you out of that pit you're in. But he'll do it. When it's safe up there. You see, when you're in the pit, all you can see is what's going on in the pit. But sometimes you don't know if there's a raging lion up there that wants to devour. But God knows. So sometimes you don't even know why God is taking too long according to you. But God is making sure that it's safe up there. So that when he pulls you out of that pit, he'll establish your steps. And he makes sure it's secure. How many say amen? If you humble yourself under His mighty hand, the Bible says that he will lift you up in due time. How many of you believe that? So tonight, I'm not going to tell you that God is going to pull you out from the pit today. Like I said at the beginning, there's certain things that God can set you free of in an instant. I believe that if there's people here that want to 
are struggling with habits, bad habits and stuff, that if you come to God, God can deliver you in one day from cigarettes, from, from any type of addiction, from pornography, from a perverted mind, from alcoholism, from drugs. God could do it in one day. But there's certain things that sometimes it, it's God himself leading us through a situation to make our faith grow. So I can assure you that he's going to pull you out of that pit today, but I can assure you that he's right there with you while you're in the pit. The whole time you're there in the pit, he is there with you. And if he still hasn't pulled you up from it, it's because he's staying there with you and he's still there with you. And when the time comes, he will pull you out and establish your feet on the rock. Anybody know what's the name of that rock? Capital R? Jesus. Come on, can we give him some praise in this house? So as I finish up today, you know, occasionally questions surface when we're going through situations like this. We ask ourselves, why did God allow this? Or why didn't the deal go through? Why did he dump me? Because God knows the danger that he just helped you avoid. That could have been a lot worse than the pit you feel you're in today. Sometimes we don't know. And we might never know until we get to heaven. And we actually, with all the time that we're going to have up there with eternity, trust me, we're going to come up with a lot of questions. God, you remember 1976? <laughs> Do you remember, why did, that, why did you allow that person to, and God's going to have patience to sit us down one by one and tell us everything, why everything happened. And then we're going to be like, ah, stupid of me, not trusting you. Right? God knows better. And I want to close off with this last verse. Psalms chapter 40. We just read the first verse. We want to read now verse 3, 4, and 5. This is the same David that he started saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. I'm inside this horrible pit. And look what he says now in verse 3. He has put a new song in my mouth. I declare and I prophesy over your life that God is going to put a new song over your life. And you don't need to get out of the pit before you start singing that new song. Because when you get out of that pit in your heart and you have changed your worry and your anxiety for faith, you can start singing right then and there. You can start singing from inside the pit. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. From the testimony that you're going to give from God taking you out of that pit, many will hear and many will see the glory of God. So everybody say, I'm a testimony in the making. Come on, share it with your brother. Tell him I'm a testimony in the making. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust. If you trust in the Lord, you're a blessed man. You're a bl blessed lady. Amen. Blessed is that man or lady who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. God's favor is great. Did you know that praise has a healing remedy for your soul? When you're in the pit and you start praising God and you probably say, I don't even know what I can praise him for because I'm in a pit. Well, think back a couple of weeks ago for that that God did a week ago give him praise for that 
or a year ago or a month ago, find something that God's done in your life in the past, give him praise for that. Because when you start praising God, that's remedy to your soul. Amen. And did you know also that worship can heal despair? When you worship God, it can heal hopelessness. It can remove hopelessness. When you worship, even though you don't feel like it, it starts removing hopelessness. It starts removing despair. It starts giving you hope. It starts turning your eyes to Jesus in his greatness. So what I want to do today, I'm going to ask you guys to stand on your feet and just give me your attention for just a couple of more minutes. Don't get distracted. Don't worry. Your keys aren't going anywhere. Your phones, don't worry about it. Fantasy football, you can check it afterwards, right? I want to pray for this. For people that can say today, Pastor, I'm going through a frustrating and challenging or trying situation in my life. I feel like I am in a pit of despair right now. I relate to what David was going. I am in that pit right now. And if you are that person, I want to tell you, hey, life is not easy, right? There's challenges in life. Life can be challenging sometimes. That is why we need to remain under God's mighty hand. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that if we remain under God's mighty hand, in due season, there's going to come a day where that same hand that was securing you, protecting you while you were in the pit, it's going to go underneath you, beneath you, and it's going to lift you up and pull you out from that pit and set your feet on the rock and establish your feet so that you won't fall anymore. How many of you believe it? So if that's you, if you feel that in whatever way you're in a pit, I want you to come here. I want to give you the opportunity to be able to come before God's presence I want to pray over you and I want you guys every single one of you guys today to start reading the word like you've never read it before because that's what's going to revive your soul you know the saddest thing is when you are dead and you don't even realize it you know some of us sometimes when we're so disconnected from God and we just come to church just to come but there's no relationship outside of these four walls with God you don't realize it but you're like a zombie you're like a but, but, but God wants you to, he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be connected to his purpose. He wants you to be a light unto your generation. He wants to show you how and when he's going to deliver you from that pit. But he does it when you have a relationship with him, when you pray with God, when you open your, the word of God and start reading it and applying it in your life. Man, that's going to make a world of a difference because heaven and earth will pass one day. But his word, you could Take it to the bank. His word will never fail. It will never pass. How many say amen? Father God, I thank you for this amazing night. Thank you for speaking unto our hearts and sometimes giving us insight as to why certain things happen. Father, your word is full of wisdom. And sometimes because we don't know it, we get so worked up and we get so anxious and we worry. Father, but we see what we have to do here. We're so clear. All we have to do is humble ourselves before your mighty hand and trust you and trust you lord i declare that whatever is keeping my brothers and sisters today from trusting in you from trusting that you will bring them out of that pit from trusting that you will from this from here on out just be able to open doors that we wouldn't never even imagine god whatever is keeping us from trusting you to that level god in jesus name is broken down we declare that every chain is broken and god we declare our hearts fully confident in your word.
fully trusting in what you've promised in Jesus name and I declare just like you did with David that every single person here that's feeling that they're in a pit in Jesus name by the power of God we declare freedom we declare freedom we declare trust for the glory of your name in Jesus name let's worship